This is On the Pony Express after Stang's post-game show. Tune in after each SMU game for reaction, exclusive interviews, and more. Check out all our SMU coverage you need at OnThePonyExpress.com. A part of the On3 Network. Now, your host, Billy Embody. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the After Stang Show. I'm Billy Embody. SMU falls 23-14 in the Fenway Bowl to Boston College, finishing off their season 11-3 overall. They went unbeaten in the AAC, and they won it all. Uh, but they do lose uh, the final game of this 2023 season in a wet, rainy one in Fenway Park in Boston, and one that SMU let get away, quite frankly. Um, they had opportunities to win this game. They had opportunities to put BC on its heels. And instead, uh, they kind of fumbled it away, you could say. They had some drops. They had uh, some missed opportunities when it came to uh, some drives. Rhett Lashley would probably want back as a play caller. And the defense uh, kind of got worn down, it looked like, at least to me watching this one, uh, as Boston College ran away with it in the fourth quarter. SMU had been doing a good job. Kind of relatively to B- BC's overall game plan, uh, stopping the one uh, the the run they had 141 yards rushing at the end of the third quarter, but they stacked up 121 yards on the ground in the fourth quarter as they uh, were able to you know kind of dominate SMU in that fourth quarter um, as SMU was playing uh, the comeback game and and kind of you know Boston College just you know taking it to SMU in that fourth quarter and uh, showing really what I think a a power five, power three, whatever you want to call it, program uh, should do to somebody that isn't uh, late in the game. Now, uh, SMU was the champions of the AAC. We know SMU had been able to do that against some good opponents like Memphis and Tulane uh, throughout this season and a bowl-eligible team against Rice, but uh, this was different. Uh, this defense was was a little worn down there, and, and you can kind of credit Boston College's defense for teeing that up. Uh, SMU wasn't able to get things going in the third quarter. They were held uh, to 85 total yards, uh, had those missed opportunities there to uh, to score, and then in the fourth quarter, just 32 yards for SMU. And uh, So we'll unpack a lot of this. We'll get to a lot of your questions. Uh, we have the full uh, post-game press conference up at OnThePonyExpress.com. You can join for just a dollar. Um, we'll have a lot of takeaways uh, from, from this one uh, kind of posted when I can. Uh, family is in route to the house right now. Um, so uh, we do have some articles scheduled for you guys on the recruiting front, but um, we'll dive a lot more into what this means for SMU overall. But um, we have the full post-game press conference with Brett Lashley. Um, and he was asked specifically, what does this mean facing an ACC team? And can you take away anything from this in terms of preparing for this jump that SMU is now facing? And we're going to talk a lot about uh, on this show, the the overall kind of uh, what this means in the whole vacuum of the season, what it means as a one-off, and what it means for what's next for SMU. And there's there are a lot of they're, – they're very different things when you look at that. So uh, let's hear from Rhett Lashley real quick on, on kind of his takeaway on this front. I, I don't know. You know, we'll look back on it, watch the film, talk to the guys. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we played – Oklahoma and TCU and even Tulane and Memphis in our league and Boston College is in that group, you know, really good physical football teams. Uh, I didn't feel like there was any difference in speed or physicality today. I thought just at the end of the day, you know, we made more mistakes. They made less mistakes. 
And then late in the game, they closed it out. We didn't. And I think you give them credit for that. Um, you know, we know what it's going to take because it's not just a one-game deal when you're in a league like the ACC. It's the weekend week out. You know, we got a lot of guys banged up. I know we lost Roderick Daniels about the second drive. We lost R.J. Maryland in the first quarter. Like, it, we're going to have to have quality depth to make it through a full season. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment. You know, we got beat today by a team that just played better than us. Kevin Jennings looked like he was on his way to having what would be a really special performance. Um, and unfortunately for him, he couldn't get anything going really in the second half. Um, but he did have some drops. Uh, he threw a dart to Moochie Dixon down the sideline uh, in the first half. I think that was on a third down when they were backed up. That was dropped. But the play of the game, the, the play that turned this entire game for SMU, they were leading 14-10. They were driving down the field. And Kevin makes an unbelievable play to get out of the pocket, roll to his left, and threw an absolute rope about 45, 50 yards in the air to the end zone to Keyshawn Smith, dropped it. SMU drives down the field a little bit more, gets a 45-yard, I think it's 45-yard field goal blocked. Uh, come away with nothing. Boston College takes it, and um, and and they they res they scored. Um, they went on a uh, uh, eight-play, 72-yard drive, uh, resulted in a touchdown, and then on their next offensive possession, after SMU uh, turned it over on downs, uh, they went 42 yards and scored. Um, SMU was shut out in the second half. Uh, they battled back to make it 14-10 at the half. Um, and Boston College also took advantage of SMU's lone turnover. They got three points out of it. Um, that, those three points were big. Instead of a tie game in the fourth quarter with it being 14-all, um, uh, you're looking at a 17-14 Boston College lead. SMU has to get a little aggressive. And then they uh, were able to go up 23-14. And, and you're just you're looking at a totally different game. So when you look at this game uh, individually, uh, and, and some people have asked me this, why I think bowl games are meaningless. One, you're sitting in a um, current landscape of college football where you have opt-outs, you have transfer portals, um, you have an expanded college football playoff. You, you have an expanded playoff that's only going to get more expanded. These things just don't matter. They are money grabs. Uh, that's why they're put on. They're money grabs for TV. They're money grabs for sponsors. Um, and they do pay out to the school. So um, to get into some of our questions here, um, and SMU ADMSD asks uh, why I view bowl games like this. Um, they don't take away from SMU winning the AAC and going unbeaten in that league to do it. Uh, they don't take away from the fact that SMU has to address a bunch of things on this roster going into next season. And, and even you look at it from losing Chris Meganson and Devere Levelston, who ended up, you know, going on to the NFL draft process. Those are two big key pieces. If SMU had Devere Levelston, maybe it's a different game in terms of not getting worn down and maybe they're able to get, get a couple more stops. I know Devere was probably, fourth best defensive tackle SMU had this season, but it, it's just different when you have some of those guys. So same with Boston College. Who knows? Maybe they're with their starting guard, uh, Christian uh, Mahogany. I mean, they're maybe able to, um, you know, cruise it on SMU a little bit more. They're just not the same teams that you're seeing in the regular season. So one, uh, SMU could have uh, been the second best uh, second team in program history to finish with 12 wins, the 1935 national championship team. They could have gotten a little bit more respect uh, nationally. Um, but, um, you know, quite frankly, this was a game that was played in poor weather. Um, it, it just, 
it just does nothing for me. It does nothing playing on a, a Fenway Park field that has been filled in with grass um, that is having to be specifically in certain areas just uh, they were throwing sand on it. It's just all a money grab um, for these bowl bowl games. So that's why I think they're meaningless. I'm a big proponent of having a 32 team playoff and letting it all be battled out. And I, I think that would be better for college football. You could start it um, the weekend after the army Navy game and you can get a game in, then you get a game over the Christmas uh, break and you're down to uh, 16 and then you're down to eight, whatever. And you can run it until mid January if you wanted to. Um, but this is this is just a money grab. Um, there was a lot of things SMU you could have done, but they have zero impact on where this team is headed, and that's the ACC, and what this team needs to do. The play of the game, like I said, was Keyshawn Smith dropping that touchdown pass that would have made it 21-10. to 10. From there, maybe SMU leans on the run a little bit more. Um, they went from uh, running it 33 times to 26 times through three quarters and instead had to obviously play some catch-up, and they threw the ball 15 times to five rush attempts, and you end up um, you know, being 48 of 30 to 31 in terms of pa- pass to run, which is not at all where SMU wants to be. But credit Boston College. Uh, they made it difficult for SMU to run the football in this game. SMU averaged just, three, just 3.8 yards per rush. Uh, Kevin Jennings uh, averaged 5.1 on his carries. LJ Johnson averaged four, Jalen Knighton 3.1, um, Tyler Levine had two carries for five yards. I felt like, and these are a couple of criticisms, uh, I would say, of, of Rhett Lashley and his you know staff and game plan and all those things. And, you know, I mean, quite frankly, they need to run the ball more. Uh, they opened throwing it a little bit too much, um, but they were cooking on that first drive. SMU is good in the first quarter. And similar to TCU game, they come away with nothing, just a different situation um, when they go for it versus, um, or I mean, uh, they they end up kind of fumbling away their opportunity. Like they went down against TCU and they end up uh, having a bad read, kind of the same play, but instead of kicking a field goal, um, if I'm remembering that right, that was a lifetime ago, but Kevin Jennings fumbles it and then Boston College takes advantage of it. So it was a game that I just felt like SMU dropped. And they dropped it in a multitude of ways. And um, I mean, you can look at some of the officiating calls. There's a fourth down pass that the player got there early. No call at that point in the game. Um, SMU had, you know, had um, had some pass interference calls that didn't go their way. Uh, I didn't think they were trying to lob it up to try and draw one. But um, you're just not going to get those calls when they're not being called. So um, you had a team that both teams were. Uh, in very different situations, Boston College playing in their own backyard. Um, they had had their bowl situations taken from them in the past with COVID. Um, and and then they uh, went three and nine a year ago. So they were in a different state of mind maybe than SMU, which was coming off a championship, uh, coming off a snub. I don't know. I mean, that th- these bowl games are just a total crapshoot. Um, but um, what concerned me the most overall is SMU – was worn down a little bit um, defensively uh, in this one, uh, at least on the defense side of the ball. That was my biggest takeaway. Uh, it looked like SMU was kind of chasing Boston College around the field. I felt like the secondary did a good job against Thomas Castellanos, throwing, uh, slowing him down in the pass game, but they gave up a couple big passes here and there. Um, but when you hold the team to 102 yards passing, um, you're doing a good job there. Um, and so running the ball, different 
story. Um, that was that was uh, a complete and total nightmare in the fourth quarter, trying to slow the run down. Uh, Boston College finished with 262 yards. They averaged 6.4 yards per carry, um, and that's what that's what won this one. SMU's defense held them to five of 11 on third downs. Um, they they converted a fourth down. I think that was early in the game too. I could be wrong on that, but uh, they ran 59 total plays. Boston College did. SMU had 79. When you have 79 total plays, if you're SMU, you're kind of inching to that ter- territory where you should be good. So it was a really weird game in that respect. SMU had opportunities. They had um, chances to take this game, and they just didn't. And um, we'll talk about kind of the overall big picture. And now that you've seen SMU play an ACC team, a, a very mid-ACC team in the grand scheme of things, um, you you can make some changes potentially. You still have time. Um, but um, at the end of the day, um, they don't, this game doesn't matter in terms of the trajectory of the program. Um, you can take this and look at this and say, well, Rhett Lashley is over against power five opponents. That needs to change next year. A betting man. I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd be surprised if SMU went over against their power five opponents next year. Um, I just think they're going to be able to flirt with bowl eligibility and a successful season would be getting bowl eligible. I think they've got the chance to do that. I like some of the transfers they brought in. I think they've continued to address the defensive line. Uh, but uh, we've seen that it's probably going to be still a l- little bit of a learning curve. But what you do have is you'll have a returning quarterback. You'll have a lot of pieces coming back that are critical. Elijah Roberts, Jonathan McGill, the entire linebacker group. Um, you have a lot of pieces coming back to this. Um, but a lot of a lot of things that need to improve overall uh, for this team, which um, Rhett Lashley talked about it. Um, don't let this loss impact how you view this season, right? You can sit there and say, well, they let opportunities slip against Oklahoma. They probably should have found a way against TCU. They've got to fix that. That's priority number one for me when I look at next year is SMU needs to fix its TCU issue, which is not playing well enough to beat the Horned Frogs, um, whether it's spotting them early, whether it's starting fast this year and then fading, um, they have to fix that issue next year and they have to beat TCU um, for many, many reasons. But at the end of the day, this team did something really special, which is go unbeaten in a league um, that historically has been hard to go unbeaten in for number one. And then they go and beat the defending champs on their own turf and they finish it with 11 wins. Again, hard to do um, in in today's college football, it's hard to do any year. So appreciate that. But uh, here's Brett Lashley's kind of final takeaway on, on this team. Yeah, I think, you know, time helps people reflect. You know, right now, all the headlines are going to say what they should say. We got beat. Uh, like I said, we've, we've rehashed that we deserve to lose today. Um, I think as time goes on, the feeling these guys have right now and that we have as a staff and our fans have, um, they'll look back and remember that it was a pretty pretty special year. And this team did a lot of special things. And, um, you know, what they did down the stretch and just the way they week in, week out battled was totally the opposite of what we did today. But um, but it's like everything in life, you know. I mean, what we played, we, we played 14 games, you know, and the data tells you who we are more times than not. And so I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of the group. I think guys like Elijah Chapman, who's been here since 2019, um, and there's the Tyler Levines, and there's a bunch of guys in that locker room that I, I'm, you know, I can't name them all. I don't have the time, but 
they put our program in this position, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. And I think as years go by in their life, they'll look back and, and know what they did for our program to get us to this position to where we're going into the ACC as a championship program. There's a lot of work to be done to try to compete for it in that league. But they put us in a position for guys like Kevin and the others coming back to now try to take the next step. And so um, I think this team's really special. And for our school, it's fairly historic. So hopefully it goes down and is remembered that way, you know, not the way we play today. Yep. Uh, so I guess I probably maybe should have ended for that. But uh, quick note on, on Kevin Jennings. He finishes 24-48 um, at one point. I want to say middle of the third quarter, he was hovering around 63% uh, passing. Um, and just, I mean, the fourth quarter, he was pressing. He was you know, kind of all over the place. He was, BC was able to pin their ears back. I mean, it just unfortunately was what it was. But, I mean, his day is so different. Um, one, he needs to hold on to the football. He can't have that fumble early. Uh, but his day is very different with some, a little bit more help from some of his wide receivers. I felt like there were a couple of PI calls that certainly could have gone the other way. Even Mark Herzlick was saying that, who played at BC, uh, met him before. He's an awesome guy. But uh, that's ifs and buts, right? Uh, but Kevin uh, finished 24-48, 191 yards, one touchdowns, added 10 carries, 51 yards on the ground. I, I just feel like once they were behind, this was a game that, and this is why I wrote this, SMU needed to come out and jump on Boston College more than they did. If SMU could have played with a lead from like an early portion of the game, and even though they took the lead in the half, I felt like that would have been able to, to allow them to dictate the terms a little bit more. And maybe you see something different. Maybe you see a, a ground game established. Maybe you see BC on their heels a little bit more defensively. Um, but it, it wasn't how it went. And so uh, they've got to uh, focus on what can change overall. Um, you know, for this team heading into the ACC. But um, Kevin talked about some of his takeaways and, and what it can mean for him heading into next season. I mean, it means a lot, you know, coming into the conference championship game, getting a start, felt amazing. Coming into this ball game, you know, couldn't pull it off, but, you know, was a dog playing my brothers and some of my family. And, you know, just going to spring ball, uh, just give me a lot to look back on and what I can, um, you know, get better at. So uh, that's kind of it with some of the post-game takeaways from the press conference. We're going to jump into the questions, and and I think what a lot of people are feeling, either I can help you through it, I can answer some of it, kind of how I see things. Uh, But when we get into the new year, um, we'll be able to talk a lot more about this um, and kind of what it means for SMU overall. But let's jump into the questions. SMU 22 fan asks, talk us off the ledge. How can I feel as – Feel how can I as a fan feel confident going to the ACC next year after getting dominated on the line of scrimmage by probably the worst bowl eligible team in in the ACC? And this is one reason why I say bowl games are one offs. One, I mean, over the course of a regular season, who knows what team you're getting each week? You know, you can get the team that um, SMU had during the run of AAC play where they were particularly strong. You're stepping up if you're SMU into a different level of competition, but maybe that team that was playing its best football at the point of Memphis, Tulane, plays this game totally different over the course of a league schedule. Maybe, we don't know the schedule yet, Boston College is looking ahead. Maybe SMU is looking ahead to a game on its schedule the next week. Maybe they're coming off a big win. 
that's why bowl team bowls bowl games are the toughest to kind of predict um at least in my opinion um and and so i think when you look at what smu has done for the line of scrimmage in the transfer portal i feel good about the direction of it they need to add two more defensive tackles and i mentioned it on the board people that are freaking out saying this team isn't going to do x y and z right now see what they do in the portal but also know that they've not been sitting on their hands doing nothing they know that their defensive line has to improve it has to get better it has to replace multiple guys who contributed at a very high level all those things were already being worked on before this game even happened and that's why i said on the board well why do you think pony law express on the message board who runs pony sports dtx was saying donate they're working on the defensive line. It's expensive to have a good defensive line. That's why SMU is focused on it. So, and on the offensive line side of things, I felt like both Preston Stone and Kevin Jennings kind of made up for some of the offensive line issues once Hyron White went down. So I do think that was a key piece there. For SMU, they return their entire offensive line minus Hyron White for next year. We're expecting Justin Osborne to come back. We're expecting Marcus Bryant to come back. We've reported that at OnThePonyExpress.com for our subscribers. If that holds, you have your entire interior back. You have Ja'Kai Clark who's going to come back. You're going to have all this competition they're bringing in, and Savion Bird, Nate Anderson. They're hoping to bring in more offensive line help, and they're going to continue to work to try to develop the guys they have on campus. So, yes, Concern, sure. Dire straits, no. And I just still, with the weather of this game, it was kind of a crapshoot. Like, even defending Thomas Castellanos, I felt like SMU's defense was at such a huge disadvantage defending him running the football, and I didn't really realize how tough that would be until you got to watch it on TV. Because if SMU's defenders normally are able to kind of play on an even playing surface and not have to be reactive, things can change in that one. I'm not saying they'd absolutely be better, but I just felt like they were in such a tough situation having to react on that field versus any sort of reasonable playing surface um, defensively. And credit to him, he was able to rush for 156 total yards. I obviously think SMU should have tackled better. That was a huge piece today. They were off for multiple weeks. I mean, so was Boston College. But again, I felt like offensively, SMU kind of shot itself in the foot, whether it was play calling, getting away from Brett Lashley or drops. I felt like SMU was a little disjointed offensively in that respect, rather than BC really, really taking it to him. Again, only one sack, only four tackles for loss for both sides. It wasn't like the defensive line's for both teams really got after the quarterbacks in the past game. Um, and SMU had missed opportunities to get Castellanos on the ground. So I don't know. There's a lot to unpack with it. I mean, we can do a whole podcast on it, but um, and we probably will. But I don't think it's dire straits. I think looking at it in the vacuum of one game, and particularly on a wet field, running quarterback, all those things, missing a defensive line, missing a starting corner, you're it's just different. So I don't know. I I, I I, I'm not talking – I think SMU is going to flirt with or be bowl eligible next year in the ACC. I don't think they're going to be this, you know, 9, 8, 10-win team. Um, I don't think they're going to bottom out and hit 
three, three and nine either. So, um, and then how are backup power five defensive linemen, offensive linemen going to close the gap? Well, here's the thing. SMU got a multi-year power five contributor in Mike Lockhart. They got a guy in Jonathan Jefferson. They're hoping will emerge with a bigger role at a school in the ACC versus Georgia, which has defensive linemen um, like SMU has produced wide receivers in the past, but even better. It's, it's just a different situation. Um, so the power five offensive linemen that SMU is bringing in, they're hoping they solidify the, the depth of this unit and they're hoping they add to the competition which over the course of a season, as we saw, helps. When Hyron White went down, SMU was able to kick out Justin Osborne and address the interior well enough for them to keep rolling in AAC play. Over the course of ACC play, they need bigger guys like Nate Anderson, a Savion Bird, whoever else they can kind of find in the portal that fits what they're looking for on that front. On the defensive line, they're just bringing in guys. SMU lost uh, Nelson Paul, De- uh, Devere Levelson, Jordan Miller, and Elijah Chapman off this defensive line that in terms of the key guys they're replacing with Mike Lockhart, who had better statistics production than Jordan Miller before he came in Jonathan Jefferson, uh, who should be solid coming in Omari Abor and Jafari Harvey. Those are pretty good ads uh, for SMU on the defensive line overall. So they do need though, to find one to two more true defensive tackles that can step up and produce. So, that's what they're working on. They still have time to do that. Puckhead, uh, that was an embarrass that was embarrassing to watch. Any reason we don't expect to go six and six at best next year? I think they're going to be flirting around bowl eligibility. I mean, it's very hard to take that overall step up. But it's like I said when people are like freaking out over like the the team SMU playing the way they did in some of their power five games. This was a team that wasn't recruited for a power five schedule. They were recruited to win the AAC, hopefully beat a TCU or an Oklahoma maybe. I think SMU should have played better in this bowl game. There's no doubt about that. They had a 14-10 halftime lead. They had a chance to go up 21-10. All those things were on the table for them, and they didn't execute. But I don't I don't feel like embarrassed if you're an SMU fan. I just don't see it. I they They had an opportunity. They did not take advantage of it. And – that's kind of the story with this team against power five opponents this year is what it, it, I mean, I hate to say is what it is, but it is what it is for this team next year. You've got to address the needs to fix that. And we can get into the ACC play and we can look at the BYU game and the TCU game and say, okay, well still work to be done, but SMU isn't sitting on their hands and, trying to kind of go into it without addressing things. Ponyfan81, realistic win number next year, assuming we add a winnable G5 game to replace Vanderbilt. I, I think five or six. I, I mean, I, I like if, if, if you're asking me if I would be, what number I would be happy about, and I think that's what SMU deserves to win, I think six or seven. You ex- Because part of it, and other schools will progress too, but SMU has a chance to coach up a lot of guys who have gotten first year in system experience, first year as starter experience. I mean, look at Preston Stone, look at all the running backs, look at all the wide receivers, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, Look at uh, some of the guys, even on defense, that can get better, that come back for next season. All A lot of improvement has to be done, and SMU has been able to do that um, under Rhett Lashley at a relatively high uh, clip. So um, that's what I'm 
kind of looking at is SMU needs to get to that. For me to be happy, six wins. I'd like to see them at seven. Um, and I and I think they can do it with the right support in NIL to improve that defensive line in particular, add a starting another starting corner, maybe two. Um, those are things that are on the table. And I think watching this game should motivate people to get involved too on that front. SMU alum 11, anything positive to take away from this game? Um, I mean, halftime lead. I mean, like they had it in front of them. I mean, they really did. This was not embarrassing. There's so many people ready to pull the shoot and things like that. Um, I'm not there. Um, I know I'm an optimist. Trust me, guys. I get it. Um, but I mean, can you really sit here and say this season like SMU did what it was supposed to do? They were supposed to win the AAC. That was the expectation. They did it. It was my expectation. They should have won one of the two Power Five games early this season. They had opportunities to, and they beat themselves, in my opinion. Other teams made some plays, but go back, look at those games. SMU had opportunities, and they beat themselves, particularly against Oklahoma. Um, but the positive takeaway, I think Kevin has a really bright future. I really do. Um, some of the throws he made were awesome. He made a lot of mistakes that he probably want back. Um, he was cooking the fastball there late, trying to make plays, and I just just wasn't there. Um, uh, are the, is the coaching staff looking to find more sure hand receivers to help the quarterbacks? I mean, I think, I think they're sitting with what they got right now. Um, and that's a spots thing that's, you've got to, you know, devote more resources, resources to the defensive side. Cause if SMU is going to be competitive. They have to address that side of the ball with what, what they lose. Uh, main focus in the transfer portal to help this team uh, be able to beat a mediocre BC team next year. I think it's what I said. And I think on a relatively nice day in Dallas, SMU would have a really good chance to beat BCU. Uh, SoCal Pony, can you critique the offensive play calling and do I see any changes entering the ACC next year? Rhett Lashley kind of alluded to some changes on staff happening. I think some guys could be moved around is what it kind of sounded like. Um, And so I think we look for that. I don't think he'll give up play calling. I think if it really doesn't progress next year, um, we could see that. But as it stands, SMU had one of the more explosive, better offenses, especially like efficiency wise and like the, you know, bigger, better stats. Um, he they they had a really top offense in that regard. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they have to get better against power five opponents, which means they have to improve their roster and recruit to a power five level, which is what they're walking into, which is when you can really start evaluating Rhett Lashley versus the power five ranks. And I'm going to be frank, he's got to beat TCU next year. So if you don't find a way to do that, I mean, TCU is bringing in talent. SMU is bringing in talent. SMU has to figure out how to beat TCU. That's my big off season thing. And then you can figure out how to be competitive and maybe come away with some ACC wins so that you can get bowl eligible. Um, And I know that wasn't an answer to that, but I just feel like the offensive play calling today got away from some of the things that they would like to do, which is run the football. But at the same time, I didn't think they got the success they were looking for early enough. And so they kind of abandoned it. And that was kind of how it happened. Um, So there's moments where Rhett Lashley does that. And he'll tell you that too. But um, I don't know how much 
how many changes we'll see. And it kind of depends on if there are more staff departures or whatever um, and all that. Um, special teams, I think there's got to be changes. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. I don't know um, what they'll do, but I think there will be changes. Um, yes or no, am I comfortable with the wide receiver group entering next year? Yes and no. So I like the guys they have. And I think with another year, certain guys can emerge. Romello, Jordan Hudson, Jake Bailey kind of is what he is, but a Roger Daniels, I think with the right usage, um, uh, probably for Moochie was hurt half the year with a broken finger. I mean, just is what it is. It's hard to be a receiver with that. But if they could address it with a proven guy, I wish they would. Um, SF to Hilltop, any chance Keyshawn and Moochie hits the portal after the spring they could i just don't see them doing that um how does rj maryland take the next step and becoming a, a dominant tight end he's got to be a little bit more clutch i would say um just some moments a season where i just to be a dominant nfl guy i just feel like you got to step up and make those plays uh smu grad how bad was this officiating my god there were no calls it was awful i thought it was just so atrocious um uh, the one where he's hugging Jordan Hudson in the end zone. I'm like, what are you, what, how, how, even if the ball is thrown inside, can't even battle back and get to it. But I don't know. Um, Adam Moore is, is a, is 20 years old as a freshman. I think somebody told me uh, he is uh, listed at um, 62250. Um, so he's, he's going to be a good one. I was high on him coming out of high school. That question coming from 2018 Mustang. Um, Couchum, uh, Kevin Henry Jennings was limping in the second half. How bad is it? And did it affect his throwing or some of the strange run pass choices he made in the second half? Um, as a quarterback, and I don't know his injury, but if you can't step in comfortably, and again, don't know his injury, but it absolutely affects things because you just end up not following through. And so things sail that could explain some of the downfield passes going way out of bounds and things like that. Um, and he also, I felt like he, was a little bit more explosive running in the first half. And so maybe it affected him, but long off season. Um, I already talked about why I think bowl games are meaningless. There's a bunch of crap going on in college football that needs to be fixed, guys. I mean, I like, is it nice? Yes. Does, if SMU, you know, caught that, does, if Keyshawn Smith catches that touchdown and SMU holds on and wins 21-20, I mean, does it change anything about how you view this team? I mean, does it? It doesn't really for me. It's just like, awesome. Wow. 12 wins. That's special. That hasn't been done. And you wish they did, but there's, there's a laundry list of things this team has to do for the ACC. And that's the huge focus uh, for next year um, that SMU has to, has to be um, focused on. Um, I don't know how, why it scrolled past, but um, SMU alum, um, Am I concerned Rhett's uh, own five against P5 opponents? I, I need to see, like I said, I need to see him beat TCU. Um, but you're, we know last year what all they had to do and the roster that kind of Sonny left them with, especially with de defensively. It's kind of like how, I mean, it's close to how Chad Morris left Sonny Dykes defensively. And so last year kind of, I mean, they just have come up short. I mean, they they got to get it right. Um, and um, 
if Rhett's going to call the plays, there's not a proven OC that's going to come here. So it doesn't matter. Um, uh, Joe Cabell, uh, thoughts on the field. Uh, I felt like it, it hurt, uh, with the water pooling and things like that, but I, I didn't think that it, um, had too much of an outcome on the, on the game overall, um, that I noticed you just, both teams had to deal with it. Um, along, uh, Billy, is there something culturally the team struggled with ver- that they struggled to address? Like they did tackling this off season. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you just got to take an, a huge step up and everyone has to improve and you've got to bring in more talent and do all those things. Um, how has Derek King looked so far in his new role? I felt like he had Kevin ready to play. Um, so he's, he really bonds well with this, this group of quarterbacks overall. Everybody likes Derek. And I think managing a quarterback room, that's so important, um, is to be able to bond with your group, um, and, and figure that out. Um, I'm not sure how he is on development because it's only been a, f- a few weeks. So um, with that, guys, I think that's it. So thanks for uh, listening to the After Stank Show all season. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been fun for me to do this. Um, you know, we went pretty much uh, 14 of 14 on doing post game shows. I think there's one we did the next day or maybe I could be wrong, but um, it's a blast uh, to get your live questions, your feedback, all those things. So I hope you guys enjoyed them. Uh, as much as I did, uh, I'm excited for the new year. We have a lot of big things planned for this site um, and and for many reasons and many people to thank uh, when we get to that point uh, to do that. But um, I'll share more on that in the new year. But I hope you guys uh, check out Shug's in Mockingbird Plaza for your postgame meal um, and, and check them out. The After Hours uh, show that they've got uh, or program they've got there with the uh, from 6 to 2 a.m., order your bagels, get all that in Mockingbird Plaza. So thanks to them for their great support all season. Um, But a disappointing end to SMU season, but doesn't take away a lot of great things that this team accomplished. What is important now is circling the wagons and preparing for the ACC. The Mustangs have a lot of work to do on that front. Today showed that. Um, But again, uh, a lot of good came from this team in 2023. So I hope you guys enjoyed the coverage. Hope you guys enjoyed the ride with us at ontheponyexpress.com. And uh, check us out, all our work. We have a lot of recruiting updates this weekend and uh, getting geared up for a huge new year. Um, So stay tuned to the site for a lot more on that front. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the After Stang Show. And I will catch you guys in the new year on the On the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening to the On the Pony Express podcast with Billy Embody. Follow us on your socials on X at SMU on 3 and on Instagram at On3SMU. And keep it locked to OnThePonyExpress.com for more coverage.